Welcome to the Team Voxelbomb Show. This is episode 58 of the program, and I am coming to you at 10.32 p.m. This is going to be a short episode because not a lot has transpired since I last talked to you, except for clearly I am still into the whole thing called fashion. Fashion, turn to the left, fashion. Turn to the right. So clearly, I am addicted to that still. I've been spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars, which adds up to thousands of dollars on a little thing called apparel. And that's not a little thing. Wardrobe, style, fashion, those are not little things to me anymore. I used to just be coasting through life. Not giving two little fucks about how I looked because hey, I ain't gay. I ain't gay. What do I gotta dress well for? I got a good personality. I thought. Turns out, no, I'm a freaking scumbag. My personality sucks, so I gotta wear cool-looking threads to cover my body so that people wanna have sex with me. It hasn't happened. So far, nobody's plucked me out of obscurity, out of incel obscurity, to be like, Yo, come here! You've made it! You've made it to the fucking my pussy! I'm gonna fuck the shit out of you! Because you're wearing that cool clothing that I like, and it's hot, and it, it complements your character. Your personality, I don't know too far. I don't know nothing about your personality, and I'm not gonna find out because I don't really want to. I just want your fucking dick. That's only happened like once or twice in my whole, I don't know, in my whole life. I think just once where somebody just must be like, hey, you, you come here right now. Come here and then we can come here and we can fuck. We can fuck. Yeah, that works on most men. All you got to do is say, hey, you, I decided that we could fuck if you want. So that means we're probably going to fuck because men... All they need is the uh, the permission and the invitation to do so. First, you need the invitation. Permission, you also need. You can't just be invited to fuck somebody and think that you can just fucking fuck them whenever you want. But that's a gray area. Like, what if somebody's like, hey, you want to fuck? And I go, yeah, are you serious? They go, yeah, I'm fucking serious. Go, okay, and then you just start fucking them. No, you got to ask for, inv- you got to also ask for permission and you gotta like put it on the calendar. You gotta be like, okay, when? Thursday? That's a good day to, f- that's a good fucking day to fuck. Women like to plan it out. I don't know. Some women, they go, oh, Thursday. Let's do it on Thursday. Let's fuck on Thursday. It's like, I gotta wait till Thursday? Okay, whatever. Whore. No, just, just kidding. Anyway, I'm addicted to fashion. This newest, pe- this newest piece that I'm wearing, that I'm exhibiting, to the world is a uh, it's just a ja- it's a coat it's a wool coat made by Wrangler and I don't know it has a lot of cowboys on it dog it's like okay where you from if you're wearing this you're probably from fucking South Dakota if you're wearing this or another state cow- uh, Texas where cowboys are I don't fucking know this the whole point of this coat is that I needed something really warm for winter. And not just any winter, not Texas winter. I'm talking about the Chicago winter. I'm visiting Chicago, and it's going to be, like, cold there. Like, you know, 20 to 30 degrees colder than I'm used to. So I needed a jacket, a coat, whatever it is, to really insulate me against the weather while also looking good. I also want to show off to the people that I'm visiting that, hey, I am from Texas now. I don't fucking miss this place. Yeah, I got the Cowboys on me to remind me that I really miss my new home. I'm a native Texan now. I I now call myself a native Texan. I don't give a fuck if I'm not from here. I, I identify with the culture of Texas. So that's what I'm telling people. And I also tell people, hey... Don't fuck with me. I know if somebody knows what they're talking about. I'm a Texan. I could tell if somebody just is like talking shit. If they are like out of their element, they're like, "Yo, motherfucker, I'm from Texas." 
Get that shit you're saying out of your fucking mouth. I ain't hiring you. I should have done that with the pest people that I hired last summer, spring, or whatever. It was fall when I hired these guys. I think it was October when I hired these guys to uh, look after my uh, my pest problem, which wasn't just any pest problem. It was brown recluse, like all over the fucking place. Everywhere there was baby brown recluse. So it's kind of hard to tell what they were, but... I figured it. I could tell that they were brown recluse. And the uh, the dude that came over said, That looks like a wolf spider to me. <laughs> fucking. And I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? You can't tell the difference between a wolf spider and the kind that leaves a fucking gaping wound in your fucking arm? Fucking. So I hired him, of course. Because I'm a fucking pushover. And I asked the guy, So is this shit that you're spraying? Is it actually going to do anything for brown recluse or is it just going to kill the other pests that they eat? Because I know that recluse can just step right over the poison. They're not going to absorb the poison. They don't wash themselves. They don't fucking like use their like legs and then like use their legs to... They don't do that. They don't clean themselves. So they're not going to absorb the poison. I knew this just from my own research. And they're like, yes, what a dumb quest. Of course it's going to treat the recluse. That's why you hired us. Yeah, so it didn't do shit. It, you know, it didn't really kill anything. Everything, yeah, so I was not very impressed with these people. So next time they try to come over here, I'm going to be like, yo, no. I'm going with somebody that knows what they're doing. I'm from Texas. Don't fuck with me. I know when somebody knows what they're I'm a fucking Texan. Look how I'm dressed. Would somebody not from here dress like this? And I should be wearing the hat that goes with this, because this jacket is pretty big. Like it's it's kind of brawny for me. Like the soul the, the shoulders feel a little bit pretentious. Like I don't really have shoulders that big or arms that big. But look at the sleeves. The sleeves are perfect. So I don't really need to get it tailored. That would kind of be unnecessary. I like that I could store a lot of weaponry inside. You know, or other layers of clothing. So I'm going to keep it the way it is. It's also very long. It covers my dick. Which is a good thing. I don't need people staring at my dick in public. I get that enough at home. In the webcam industry, people go like, Hey man, when are you going to pull your dick out, man? We're tired of seeing you play Minecraft all day. Can you just flash it for like two seconds so I could jerk off and go to the next part of my life for today? And it's like, yeah, you could. Of course, I take it out because it's fun to flash people your cock. It's not always fun when it's like other men that are looking at it. It's kind of like, okay, that's not as. It's kind of creepy. It's like it's not that attractive to me, but it's not like that. It's also not creepy enough to not do it. Like if a bunch of gay dudes say, "Hey, man, can I see your dick?" I just go. Yeah, in private, I'll pull, I'll flash it, or I'll give you a nice little look at it so you could jerk off. But I don't want to see you jerk off. I'll just jerk off to the memory of you jerking off. I'll be like, well, somebody's jerking off to my, somebody has jerked off to this dick. Therefore, I'm going to jerk off to my own fucking dick, dude. It's fucking creepy as fuck. But that's what I am. That's what most artists are. Most artists are fucking perverted problems like creep is not strong enough of a word to describe the type of art that i do i don't do creepy art but i i am such a creepy person that like not even talking about sex i don't even have to take my dick out to scare people i just have like brooding like deep like serial killer killer eyes as people call them usually amateurs say usually like shitty hack comics will come up to me and be like, hey, you look fucking scary. You fucking murderized. I go, nice to meet you too. If somebody who I'm never going to help in their whole career, since you just said that to me, what a fucking rude thing to say to somebody. And, I, and I'm guessing you're very new at comedy because you said something very unoriginal. And then they go, oh, well, okay. I, I, didn't, I don't know what to say to that. I was expecting you to just... Yeah, I get that all the fucking time. I'm sick of fucking being around new comedians. I am not a new comedian. I'm very experienced at comedy. 
clearly, if you can't, I mean, come on, look at the way I'm fucking do, t- changing my voice around. I could do that. I have a lot of voices in my repertoire. Also, I have some jokes. I don't know. That's the thing is I got to write more jokes. I got to actually like finish my jokes enough to be fucking proud of them. So I could just like unwield. Uh, so I could just pull them out if I need to for like a show. So I'm trying to get more serious about that. I've always been telling myself, oh, I should actually get serious about like polishing bits, making them bigger, more substantial, memorable, and unique. Because then people will be more, you know, likely to give you opportunities in show business or just sets. They'll give you they'll give you stage time if they know that you have bits. If they don't know what the fuck you're gonna do. Like, yeah, why would they take the gamble? It's like, yeah, let's hire uh, Timmy Gusto. That guy usually just gets played off stage because he gets in trouble with the host by talking shit about the host. So let's not give him any... Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not have him fuck up the show. So I'm trying to actually develop polished bits that are nice and meaty. And I don't know how much I have so far. Maybe a three? Three that I would call bits, but they're very unpolished. The strongest one is about being a woke Jew. I've done it on this podcast. That's where I thought of it. I've been writing material from this podcast. So this podcast is my open mic for tonight because there's no open mics happening in the whole state of Texas. I checked. I was about to jump on the Lear and go to wherever one was happening, but there's none in the state of Texas, and I ain't fucking leaving the Texas state line just for... Just for an open mic, this is where I'm trying to practice for my next show coming up. I got a big show coming up on the 28th. It's called the High Tonight Show. It's at Creek in the Cave. It's a So that's a real fucking club, and it's a talk show, and I'm going to do a set, and I'm going to do panel with Victor Martinez Jr., and uh, he's a good guy. So I'm not going to fuck it up by not rehearsing as much as possible. I'm going to be so fucking confident I don't know what joke, like, who cares what jokes I do? I'll just, it's seven minutes, so I'll just fuck around, I'll just get through the seven minutes. But you gotta be confident, and to get confident takes going on stage every night, at least once. And I don't care if I bomb, it's just about getting used to that. Even getting used to bombing is how you get confidence. Because you could have such a good set if you just bombed or if you're used to bombing because then it'll take you by surprise if you actually do get a laugh you're like oh fuck this is fun i wasn't expecting you guys to even laugh and now you guys are like giving me what i am doing this for it's like okay so you'll i don't know it's it's good to go up there being used to people not liking you as a comic because you'll like not give a fuck and you'll give them what they actually want to see, which is somebody who's funny and isn't trying to impress anybody. That's what I did. It not to not. Let's get back into that. Let's drop some fucking names. Nah, fuck it. I did well in front of Shane Gillis a couple weeks, like a month ago almost, and that was a big stepping stone for me to jump on, cause I never really did well in front of uh, like famous people before that I could really think of like I was I was in Chicago for like eight years never did a set in front of Hannibal and so like he's not even that big and he's he's famous but he's not like a gatekeeper he's not really somebody that's going to take you on the road if you do what anyway I never did that before I did well in front of like the most respected comedians working in the whole country and that's not something to like sneeze at so that gave me this sense of confidence that is still i still have it but it's it's not like i could just be funny like that every fucking night man i i I can if i'm in the zone right now i'm kind of in the zone where it's like okay just get up there get the first laugh as soon as fucking just get up there and don't even worry about like if you're gonna kill or not just get as many laughs as possible, as quick as possible, and then you could start having fun. Like, I don't really think of the possibility of bombing, because it's, like, probably a remote possibility if I'm ready to be on stage. If I'm ready to be on stage, I'll just go up there, I'll immediately fucking crack the whip and do something. 
that gets a reaction. Like last night I did a mic. It was fucking freezing. And nobody was there. There's like five people there. And I still had a fun, high-quality set. I Even though part of it I was bombing. But I still was like, nah, this is not a bomb. I just did some really bad jokes that weren't even really jokes. They were just like half-baked, like racist material that I'm working on. Uh, but so I was kind of, I did lose the crowd, but not really. I, I only lost like the bartender, who cares? And But the comics said it was good after like two comics said, oh, that was funny. So it's like, I didn't fucking bomb. I chose to do what I did and I could have not done that. I could have also not done seven minutes. Um, yeah, I did a longer set. Anyway, it was perfectly fun and fine and... I don't know, man. I, I, the thing about sucks about open mics in this town is most people are very like either not experienced at comedy, or they are just resentful of other comedians and they aren't trying to actually help the art form. I don't know. I've, I, it's very fucking rare to find an open mic that I actually like going to, and I don't have to worry about the host like fucking giving me like friction. Because I get actually pissed off, visibly pissed off, if uh, the host sucks at their job. And I get it. It's like it's not even really to them. They might not even look at it as a job. They just look at it as like a service, as like a community service. But I'm sh most of them are getting something out of it. They're getting some compensation. Most of them are getting at least like a couple bucks from the bar or 20 50 bucks to do that so it is a job and i look at it as a job when i'm doing it when i'm performing at open mics and i try to do well for the most part and i try to actually contribute to the atmosphere i try to bring good vibes and i'm just trying to be a professional i try i like to be nice and you know I like when the host actually, like, remembers who I am from the previous... Like, if I go there two weeks in a row, and I do well that first week, and the second week I come back, and they don't remember that I'm even a, a person, they just go, oh, are you him? Are you Timmy Gusto? Yeah, they don't have any memory that I was just there a week ago, and did better than anybody else uh, the whole fucking show. It's like, okay, you don't remember me from a week ago. So you're, is this just that they're a narcissist or do they legitimately have that bad of a face memory and name memory and voice? Like, really? You don't remember my name, my the way I look, or the way I sound? Okay. I'm just, I'm just going to probably not go to that mic anymore because it's like I want to be... Everybody likes to be remembered. If you're a comedian... The worst thing you could say to a comedian is, I don't know who you are. On, it, next to saying they're not funny, that's probably the second worst thing. I don't know who you are. Oh, you were just here a week ago and you killed? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't. That doesn't matter to me. I don't fucking know who you are. I don't know. It just comes off as like uh, narcissistic if you pretend not to. Like, of course you remember me, but, unless you're fucking like retarded. But I don't think. That's what was going on. I think there really is just a lot of fake, fakery and narcissism in this town. So when I find an open mic that's run by a competent person, I usually make a note to uh, tell them what they're doing right. I go, thank you for doing this. And a lot of them are just not designed or uh, catered towards real comedians, like real comedians who've been doing it for like at least five to ten years. A lot of these mics are catered towards people that are literally just starting out, which is ridiculous. If you're just starting out in, in comedy and you're in your, like, 30s, what are you doing? I mean, you're probably not going to ever be famous. You're never going to, like, be a working comedian if you're only just starting and you're in your 30s. It's possible. I know there's some... There's a couple that I could think of, or at least one, Dean Del Rey. He's like in his late 40s or some shit. And he started, I think, in his 40s. But he's a real professional comic because he's friends with more successful... I don't fucking know. Um, you could... Anything's possible. 
But when I meet people that are like in their mid thirties, like, yeah, I'm a, I just started comedy. It's like, what were you doing for the last 15 years? You just, you never had the balls to try it or you're just jumping on a fucking trend. Cause you see people getting famous, uh, doing it. Like, okay, it's probably the second one. I just want to be famous. I want to be like Joe Rogan and Andrew Schultz. I want to get paid millions of dollars to not be good enough to get paid millions of dollars because I'm in my mid-30s and I've never gotten on stage before. There's exceptions. Like, if you've been doing some form of entertainment, then it's possible to translate that. If you've experienced, like, in theater... Or music, or just being on stage, being an actor, a voice actor even, I would say, they have a shortcut. They have, a, they have done enough, they've practiced their uh, muscle to be a comedian. Because being a comedian is a spoken word art form. You can't do it without a voice. I'm sorry, Michael Lair. Now, Michael Lair, he's, he has a voice still, but the problem is it's too slow because he's dying so if you're dying, okay, yeah, you're probably it's probably gonna be hard to be at your top level. So that's not a good example. I was just making fun. I was just invoking. I don't. Know, I was just talking shit. But no, he's cool. He's dying. How are you gonna talk shit about somebody that's on their death chair? No, it's cool that he's still doing comedy. I respect the sh- the fuck out of him. Um, but your voice is the biggest muscle you have in uh, show business. It's uh. You could dress however the fuck you want. You could wear a wife beater and look like an idiot. You could be disheveled. But if you have a funny voice and a smart brain that knows how to choose what to say and inflect your voice in a funny way, like I'm brilliant at, you could get laughs it's like effortlessly. It, fe- it looks so fucking easy. And it is. Because we've worked at it. It's not that hard to pitch a 99 mile per hour baseball if you've been pitching 99 mile per hour baseballs all month. It's like, okay, yeah, I could do that. Uh, so you got to lift the, you got to like work out the, uh, your voice. Okay, we're still on the first topic of the episode. Okay, this is going to be a long episode. Okay, fucking open mics. I guess I'm still talking about this. So, that's the thing that about doing stand-up in Austin. Like, I want to work out bits before I submit to shows. And I do have a new clip. I posted my new uh, stand-up clip on TimmyGusto.com. It's me with a 360 camera with a selfie stick pointed way out at the creek uh, doing the heckle mic. And I did a f- great set. Like, the set was great. Um... It was, a, it was a minute, so, you know. But the thing about that is it's very difficult to get through your minute at the heckle mic. They tell the audience, yo, don't fucking heckle until we ring the bell. But most people get heckled way before the fucking bell. So to actually get them to fucking to listen, you got to have a good voice. It, even the jokes could suck. It's good to have good jokes, too, but whatever. I did v- pretty well. I don't know. It was okay. It was only a minute, and I did enough where it's like, okay, that's a clip, I guess. And I had to edit it and everything, so it's up, and it's ridiculous. It's a crazy clip, because the camera is following me before I get on stage. You could see me with my dumb fucking legs, and and then it, and then it points towards the back of the stage. And, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but like it, it, it follows... It's interesting. Not very many people have done that style clip before, and I could use that, I guess, to submit to some sh- to get on maybe something guest spot. So, so anyway, I do. I am starting to itch for real stage time because at the mics, I'm starting to get pretty confident that I could. I'm ready for at least that. So, open mics. So, like, um, kill Tony. Fuck open mics. Open mics are open mics. They're supposed to suck. You can't go to an open mic with any expectations whatsoever. You have to go into them thinking, yeah, this is an open mic. This is probably going to be counterintuitive. <laughs> like, it's good if it's just neutral. So if you actually get something out of it, that's, like, crazy. Um, so anyway, so you have to go into it 
with like this um like like cynicism you have to be like yeah whatever it's an open mic um but who cares about that um i have been going to kill tony every monday for i don't know how long october i think is when i started so a couple months of that and yeah i'm not sure i'm gonna go this monday i think this will be the the time i decide you know what I don't know if I could do it because I have to take so many mushrooms to get (laughs) to not be an asshole to people. And like, I'm not even being that big of an asshole. It's just that to them, I, I look like an asshole because I'm being honest with people. And if you're honest in show business, you're going to, you're not going to make a lot of friends. So the mushrooms are to get me to lie to people (laughs) to, It makes me into a more empathetic person, and I don't know if I like that about myself. I took a lot last time, or last Monday, just a couple days ago, four days ago, and it was enough to where I was feeling the shrooms, and I was just staring at the sidewalk, just just looking at the pretty colors, because there was like these lights from the comedy club to, there's a red light and a blue light, so there's purple in the middle where they met. So I was just looking at that and just taking in how beautiful and saturated it looked compared to normal. And I was like, okay, this is chill. This is fun. Um, But I wasn't talking to people because I did not want to talk to mentally ill new comedians. Like both those things together make somebody very insufferable. If you're just mentally ill but not a new comic like an old comic, okay, that's way better than being mentally ill, off your meds, and a very unfunny comedian who doesn't know at all if they're being funny or not and like doesn't know if other people are funny and doesn't know when to stop talking. Um, yeah, that's really bad for my like uh, sense of mental health. I'm on, I was on meds. I take my fucking meds. It's so hard to ask other people to do that. And I'm, oh my goodness gracious. So I was just standing there minding my own business. And then this dude aggressively was like, why aren't you talking? It's like, and I was like, yeah, I'm on mushrooms. I'm just chilling. And he gave me a handshake and he fucking shook my hand so fucking hard. I was like, yeah, you got a powerful handshake. He was like, not really. I was like, yes, really. Yeah, it's a very powerful handshake. <laughs> Yeah, that was way stronger than it needed to be, but I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just commenting. And then it's like, yeah, the reason I'm not talking is because I don't want to. We just met. This dude that I'm talking about, I literally just met him a week ago, and I met him as him being a fan of me. So I'm not going to fucking talk to somebody who's a fan of me. This was not a mutual (laughs) understanding. This was somebody coming up to me saying, I like your stuff. And I was nice, but that's it. That's where the conversation, like, what do you want me to do? All of a sudden, we're friends? I'm going to start talking to you just because you happen to be... No, you're still very annoying. (laughs) You're a new comedian. The part that you're my fan, that part's cool. But even then, I'm not going to fucking talk to you because maybe that's very like presumptuous to assume that somebody. So I wasn't talking to these people and they were talking about like really weird shit that I wanted nothing to do. I wish I brought earplugs. They're talking about like getting molested as kids or some shit. I was like, yeah, this is a good time to wear earplugs. Like, of course, I want to fucking talk to these fucking fucking mentally ill fucking losers, dude. Like, I'm mentally ill, but I take my meds, and I'm not a loser. I'm doing shit. I'm doing shit with my. Well, okay, it's the holidays. Let's pull back on that a little bit. These days, I feel like kind of a loser because it's the holidays, and that'll creep up on you. You're, any depression that you might have that you think that you're past, yeah, the holidays is when you test that shit out. That's when it comes back and haunts you. So, okay, I actually am pretty. I need to start taking some vitamin D. Because, yeah, the the holidays are pretty rough for most people, except for, I don't know, babies. For babies and kids and toddlers, the holidays are fucking awesome. If you're above the age of 15, that's when you start to, like, actually not be excited for that shit. 
because you're family, because you have a, cause you have a f familial problems or whatever. Anyway, I'm wearing this coat to conceal my internal baggage. How could somebody dressed like this have anything to complain about, dog? I'm fucking killing it. So anyway, that was the first subject. So, so and after Kill Tony, this was a particularly untalented... <laughs> untalented night of kill tony so i was even though i was on a high dose of mushrooms i was still like okay can i please can i please just do that can i please do the thing way better at than uh the most of the people that are doing it can i please get this over with so i could actually not have to come here for another week or two or at least a month because if i got up i knew i would have done better than most of the fucking untalented pieces of shit. <laughs> so, that's really hard to navigate through. But whatever, I mean, you just gotta be patient because when you do get it, it feels fucking amazing. If you actually get your name called and do well, it's the best feeling I've had in a long time. And that was less than a year ago. It was only like eight months ago. And it was when Ari Shafir was on, episode 661. I don't remember the episode, whatever, but uh, it was just like eight months ago. And I saw Ari less than a month ago. And he remembers my set because I brought a piece of gold. And like, of course, how are you going to forget that shit? But anyway, so you got to play the long game. See, that's what I'm doing. I am playing. the. I'm not like greedy. I only go because I'm ready for that type of thing. I would do well. I think. It's possible I could bomb on there. But it's unlikely if I'm in the right spirit. If I'm in the right mood. I ain't gonna fucking bomb. Um, so it's not greed. And it took me a long time. To even decide to be. F that I'm funny enough. For that show. There's people. There's a there's a quite a cohort of people. A large portion of the people that sign up for that show are not ready they've never even done comedy before so that's why it's like i resent them to their face and so anyway that's enough about kill but i so i started talking to this guy in line and he was being very like arrogant and like not a, i was being arrogant but he was too and like i wasn't gonna like let him talk down to me or like talk shit I forgot how the conversation... It was a homeless person, but he was in line for Kill Tony, so I guess that otherwise I wouldn't be talking to him for so long. But So he wanted to sign up to tell his homeless person stories, which, of course, that would be interesting. It, it's interesting to see how that would have played out, but, of course, he wasn't funny. He was somebody that's never done stand-up before, so, like, fuck this guy is the point. But I was super nice to him because I was on fucking psychedelic mushrooms. <laughs> And I talked to him for like 30 minutes. I learned everything about his life, why he's homeless, why he's where he's at. He was in a good mood, but the conversation started with him asking, like talking about comedy or some shit. And I was like, yeah, I'm a comedian. I've been doing it for 10 years. And like, I forgot what he said that kind of pissed him off or pissed me off. But like, I looked him in the eye. I was like, yo, I'm a comic. You can't just go around pretending that you're also as good as me i forgot what i said to him but then we started talking about homelessness and i was like yeah being homeless yeah that's cool that you're home i don't give like i wasn't judging i'm not a judgmental person but he said uh the homeless problem can be solved and i was like uh it's possible i guess it's like anything's possible <laughs> and he it was that triggered him he's like fucking no it's not just possible let me fucking tell you and i was like whoa i don't give a fuck if you're not gonna let me talk i'm not gonna let you just fucking lecture me about the homeless problem he was like okay okay and then we actually that actually he actually liked that i did that um that i told him Yo, man, I'm not just going to let you fucking, like, lecture me. You have to actually... Is this a conversation or... Because I actually think about this a lot. And it doesn't mean I'm an asshole just because I am saying what I'm saying. It's a very nuanced issue. So then we started talking about the homeless problem. And he was like, well, if we just get a bus, if we get, like, a P 
peace bus and drive it down the street. We'll just pick up all the homeless people. We'll take them wherever they got to go. Homeless shelter, food, and whatever. Medicine, if they need that. And I was like, okay, what if that sounds great. Uh, What about the people that are too crazy to be in the bus? What if they're just too uh, mentally ill? He was like, well, I don't know. Well, then we'll take them to the... Yeah, those people might have to be arrested. I was like, yeah, exactly. Some of those people are too crazy to be on a bus. So you can't really save all homeless people. Some of them, they're homeless because they're too crazy to be helped. And then, I don't know, so we talked about that, and then he said about meds. He's like, yeah, I'm all, I don't take meds because of the side effects. And he said, if you heard the Robin Williams bit about how he doesn't want to take meds because of the side effects. Yeah, I relate to that bit. I was like, yeah, that's a great fucking bit. And thanks to that bit, there's thousands of people like you not taking their meds who should be because of side effects. Well, if you don't want to deal with the side effects, you're making other people deal with those motherfucking main effects of your fucking illness. And you're doing it to me right now by like going on these fucking rants that I don't give a fuck about. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the whole point of like med- like homelessness. Some of them are just mentally ill. Well, all of them are mentally ill. And if they refuse to take their meds, I mean, I don't really have much s- sympathy at that point. That's where my sympathy turns into disinterest. I go, oh, so you've been offered meds. You could afford it because you could just get them p- as part of the program that you're in so it's not about cost it's literally you being stubborn okay hope you don't freeze to death motherfucker because i no longer give a fuck about you because i take my fucking meds so i'm not an asshole i could be homeless but even if i was i would probably still want to be on my fucking meds dog you don't want to be off your adhd meds if you have really bad adhd because it'll just make you want to just jerk off watch porn even if you're not jerking off or just something you just want to like consume and think of like other ways to get dopamine none of which are healthy the healthiest way to get dopamine is to take fucking stimulants and then you don't have to fucking do crazy shit like um i don't know what's another example like do drugs you won't have to do other drugs if you've already done the correct drug so i i guess my ADHD is pretty well controlled. You know, it's the holidays, so I'm starting to fall into some temptations, like a little bit of food, a little bit of binginess happening of like, okay, I ate enough, but I, I want more. I need more of that dopamine fix. And if I take more Adderall, that'll go away, but I don't want to be up in the dose of Adderall. So I don't, I'm definitely out of the, uh, honeymoon phase i'm not i'm no longer like thinking of ideas rabidly and like oh shit i gotta write that down like i i'm not in that phase anymore um but it still has has the positive effects that i need it makes me confident especially when i'm doing this podcast you could really tell that the meds are working right now because i haven't said anything um about myself that's bad I've only said positive things about myself so far in this episode, and that's how you could tell the medicine's working. I don't know, man. But after, so anyway, kill Tony. I'm still talking about that. Afterwards, I was still kind of like, I wasn't pissed. I was fine. I was neutral. And I was hanging out with people at the show, and I was talking to somebody. He gave me an edible. He was like, you want, a fuck, you want an edible, man? I was like, yeah. And I almost just took all of them. I didn't even know how, I didn't even know what kind of edibles they were. I looked at the package. I was like, oh, it's D8, 100 milligrams. He was like, yeah, I don't know how much it is. Whatever, I have a high tolerance. I was like, okay, yeah, if you, I could take this. So I took it, and it fucking blew me. Oh, I was pretty stoned for the whole fucking rest of the night. And the next day, fucking shot. I couldn't do nothing but sleep and eat. I was hungry, exhausted, just fucking spent. And it was fun, though. Like, who gives a fuck? I was stoned. Big whoop. It's scary to be that stoned. 
So I had to tell myself, relax, you're just stoned. You can still be social. You can still talk about what's in your head. That's the hard part, is convincing myself to still be social when I'm that stoned because I'm thinking about all the shit that I'm thinking about. It's like, is that interesting to other people? Is that something I should share? This sounds like a stupid thought, but no. So I was at a comic's house to film a sketch, and I was fucking couch-locked. And they, the other people in the house, these were like newer comedians. I like them. They're nice, so I'm not talking, nothing about this is negative. But at the time, I was freaking out because they I was like completely couch-locked watching The Grinch. The Jim Carrey version of The Grinch, which is a creepy, dark fucking movie to be watching on on uh, on shrooms. And I was also on shrooms, technically. So anyway, I was freaking... I wasn't freaking out, but I was like paralyzed in anxiety. And I knew I had to film this sketch. I was in the sketch. I was like one of the main punchlines of the sketch. So I had to act. I had to tell myself, you're doing, you could, like, I was almost going to leave because I was so fucking etched out, uh, irked out. Because the dudes, they were playing with fucking guns. Like, they had a fucking shotgun that they were, like, playing with and trying to, like, get laughs with, like, impress the other people in the house with by, like, like doing stupid stuff with it. And I was like, I don't want none of this fucking shit. Um, so I almost, like, fucking left. But no. So I told somebody next to me, the dude, whatever, doesn't matter. I was like, yo, man, you you might have to be the Jew in this sketch because I'm getting, I'm too fucking stoned. <laughs> and they overheard that. He was like, yo, man, you're going to lose the Jew. You better get filming or you're going to lose the Jew. I was playing a Jew in the sketch. So they said, okay, okay, we'll get you. We'll get you in the next shot. Just give us a few minutes. So I got it. We We did it. And it was perfectly fine. I took off. I I adjusted. I was like, okay, what do you want me to be? Is it okay if I wear my shoes? What do you want me to do? And I just did it how a professional, I thought, would do it. And just be like, okay, what are the lines? Let me rehearse a little bit. And we did, like, I don't know, three or four takes. And it was fucking fun, dog. Because, like, the lines, I thought, were kind of, like, too cheesy. But then I was like, okay... Just have fun with it. I mean, who cares if it's cheesy? It's not your, it's not your sketch. You're just in it. So who gives a fuck? Just say the lines how you think they should be said. And it was funny. It was fun as fuck. And I hope. And I think it'll come out well because the the people that were doing it were pretty like good at what they do. They were like one of them is a film major, so. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing to sneeze at. They they actually knew what the fuck they were doing. So I'm excited to see how that came out. How that comes out with me holding a shotgun, stoned to the gills, in a fucking. I had to like tell an intruder to get out of my house while pointing a shotgun towards the camera. So I was like nervous just about that, and I had to be re- remember the few lines, which was difficult. But they said I did well. And I left right afterward because I did not want to see what was going to happen afterwards. It was too intense for me. Like, get the fuck out of my house. This is Timmy Juhu's house. Get the fuck out. Anyway, it was fun. Okay, we're not going to do that much longer of an episode. We already covered a good amount of the topics. I'm no longer in the honeymoon phase of Adderall, but I still kind of like, I still feel the uh, the effects of like relaxation. That's how I know it's working is when I could just take a deep breath He's like, oh, I'm not that overwhelmed after all. I was just hyperactive. I was just overloaded by the thoughts of everything I should be doing and all my responsibilities. That's what ADHD feels like when it's untreated. It's fucking hell. So you just you just procrastinate. It's like, well, I don't want to deal with that because it's, it's, it's too much. And then you just do whatever feels good to get the dopamine. And that obviously leads to you feeling even worse. So I'm trying to get back on track. I, I've gained a few pounds of holiday weight. I'm about six pounds above where I want to be. I could even go lower than that. I want to be maybe eight pounds lighter than I am, but whatever. 
I'm doing well compared to some people. I mean, but that's not how I really look at things. I want to do well compared to me, not just some other person in my family, for example. Or just because they're in my family, I ain't competing with them. I'm competing with myself. Uh, anyway, coin. let's get into... Uh, but yeah, the bottom line with Kill Tony, let's finish that. Let's put a bow on that subject because I was kind of all over the place. And the edibles, they really made me rethink my career. Because I don't have a career, so it, it's really easy to to rethink something that isn't there, that's just all in your head. My career in uh, stand-up comedy, in podcasting, in show business, that's still mostly all up here. So it could just blow away like a pile of leaves if I let it. So I have to be resilient, and it's not a good idea to take a large dose of edibles if you're trying to be mentally resilient because that shit made me totally not want to go out it made me afraid of like exposing myself not my genitals just my face just like showing up to a comedy club i was like do i really have to be here is my presence really necessary i don't want to overexpose myself to these comics and you know industry people if i'm not actually doing anything so anyway, and then it also was like, I'm definitely not going to kill Tony next week. That's what I got out of it. I was like, I'm definitely not going. I'm doing it too often, and it's just gross to show that you're, I don't know, it's not that gross. I'm not. I'm sober now, so I don't really agree. I don't agree with that thought. I think it's okay to go. Just be ready, have funny jokes, and don't listen to a fucking word. That somebody tells you before you go up. Because it's mostly people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Save for a couple exceptions of people that actually do support me. And know that I do a character and they think I'm... F Except for those few people. Most of the people that I talk to are killed Tony or fucking... They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. To put it nicely. I was going to call them fucking idiots or whatever. But like... That's not... I mean... They're they're not going to change. And it just feels unfair. Like, of course, it's unfair. That's un unquestionable that it's unfair that somebody... I don't know. Is, is it unfair? It's random. So it's weird to complain about. But I guess that's the thing. If you're going to complain about it, just don't go. Because if you're not going to play by the rules, you're probably not going to do very well if you're going to get upset. So that's I guess that's the reason I shouldn't go. Because it, you know, like, it just feels like, okay, if I was just randomly called up, I would get um, exposure, like, good exposure. Um, and I'm competing with people that don't have any business being there in the first place. And it just feels like such a inequality of, like, okay, I'm 10 years in. I don't even want to talk to these people, let alone compete with them. So that's why it's like, really? Tony, you can't make it a little more fair to people that have been doing it for a lot longer. You can't like have another uh, slot or another column saying how long you've been doing comedy. Is that so much? Is that such a breakthrough? Well, it is apparently, and I don't. I'm not just. That's enough about kill Tony. I am probably gonna. I'm probably gonna go <laughs> this Monday because who gives a fuck? I I always snap out of it in a couple of days. I mean, it does affect me. Just having to talk. I don't have to. I could just leave. But I always like to talk to other comics there. And they always say something that rubs me the wrong fucking way. And it's like, why do I subject myself to that if I could be doing other things? Well, I don't know. But I, I'm gonna, I, I don't give a fuck. I have a thick fucking skin. I have a thick soul. And that homeless guy that I was talking to, that I know his name, I gave him my phone number. Because I was, you know... We became friends, but I don't want to be his fucking friend. He was like, <laughs> I was like, I would do your podcast because he was talking about doing a podcast. I was like, I'll do your podcast. And then that changed into him thinking I was going to have him on this podcast. I was like, that's not quite what I was asking for. I want to, I'll do your fucking podcast. I'm not going to host. <laughs> so anyway, so I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, and then he said, are you clean? 
Because I only like clean comedians. Like, yeah, no, I'm not clean. Can I give you criticism then? I was like, you could, you can. It's probably not going to be useful. It's like, well, you should not curse in your comedy because all my favorite comics don't curse. And I was like, cool, mine do. And uh, I've been doing it for 10 years, so I'm going to keep doing it because it's funny. So that was really bad criticism to critique your critique. I do that to people. If they give me really shitty advice, I just tell them, yo, that was really shitty advice and you probably shouldn't do that if you want people to like, like, I don't care. It'll just bounce off. I have a thick skin and I'm used to being around idiots. But like, if you want people to like you, try to ask them if they actually want really shitty advice. And then if they say no, don't give them the shitty of whatever it's happened. But it's just, there's so much delusional people in this fucking town. And the, uh, I don't even think he was that delusional. He, this was just his opinion that he shared with me. Like, I like clean comics. You should be more like the clean comics that I like, even though I've never seen you before. And you're a, you've, you're funny enough to be doing it as a, like, what does he know? He doesn't fucking know. I was just a dude on the fucking sidewalk. So you got to get over the fact that it's not a big fucking deal. If somebody like uh, checks you, if somebody gives you really insulting advice, if they don't know who the fuck you are, just take it in stride. You're on this, like, they don't know you. So anyway, it's not that big of a deal. And it just bugs me when people give, get aggressive for not talking to them as if I'm being like a dick for not, just because I'm standing there. It's like, dude, I don't know you. There's a rift between, like, that's the part I got to work on is telling new comics, yo, man, you're new. I don't want to talk to you yet. You're not that interested. You haven't proven to be worthwhile to talk to. There's no nice way of saying that, dog. Okay, we're gonna, but I'm going, I have to, though, because it's, uh, it's damaging to my well-being. Even if it's temporary, it's like, really? I have to have a memory? I have to be uncomfortable? Can I just, like, be comfortable? It's a comfort thing, and it's an ego thing, um, you know? But I don't always need my ego to be stroked. It's just, like, does it have to be <laughs> pummeled and tested every time I go to kill Tony? Apparently so. Because I'm still talking about it for like two hours now. Okay, let's. so that's it. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to try to like do what I told myself to do previous weeks, which is to just look at the ground. Don't make eye contact with fucking weirdos, which I did, and it didn't work. Those fucking weirdos still came up to me and gave me fucking bullshit just for minding my own business. But that's on them. I'm such a nice guy that I have to fucking explain myself over and over, knowing that I'm st I'm not the bad guy. So why do I over-explain this fucking bullshit? Because I'm a fucking pussy. Hey, you don't like it? I'm gonna keep dressing like I'm gonna dress even more like a douchebag then. Actually, I don't even think I'm dressed like a douchebag right now. The only thing I don't like about this jacket is that it's huge is that it looks bulky as fuck like that's it i could get it tailored but that is a little bit unnecessary i think anyway we're gonna end the episode by uh, talking about one topic and that is a topic i have not covered in a few months it's the topic of finance and investing Yes, we finally found an opportunity to invest while the market is pretty bad. The markets are down. Crypto is a fucking nightmare. Thanks to such criminals as Sam Bankman-Fried. Oh, man. I love watching the YouTube videos or just anything about him that comes out. My favorite is to uh, watch uh, the CoffeeZilla interview that he did with him that he kind of like had to like bombard him he had to like kind of like sneak his way into these twitter spaces where he asked some hard-hitting questions before he got arrested coffeezilla asked sbf about the shady dealings about how did you really is there any possibility that you had no idea that you just lost track of eight billion dollars there's no, we're not that dumb. You're not that dumb. So obviously you're fucking lying. Because if you want to watch something entertaining, 
yeah. Um, anyway, so that motherfucker, since he's like a big criminal thief, scammer, who co-mingled funds and just pretended he just acted like they were his, like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking donate to camp. I'm just going to fucking spend it like I'm a billionaire when it's not my money. It's other people's money. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's a bad thing to do. So the whole crypto industry has taken a huge fucking hit because of him. And it bled over to every crypto company, one of those being Coinbase. So that is the investment that we're talking about today. As of Friday, December 23rd, 2022, Coinbase, I believe, is a undervalued stock. Coin is the ticker and... It's at about $35, but it went as low as $33 earlier today when the market was open, and I bought some some shares, and it's at an all-time low, and if it goes lower, I'm going to keep buying because this is a company that is not run by criminals. They actually are a public company, so you could just look at their financial sheets. You could look at their balance sheet. And you could see that they actually have enough cash to pay all their clients if they needed to. Like if everybody just ran up and pulled out their money from Coinbase, they would still have billions of dollars left to spare. So their market cap is about $8 billion and they have just that in, uh, in equity. They have that in cash. Something like that. I don't fucking know. I actually don't know the fine grain fundamentals. I just know that, in my opinion, that that company is going to go back up to where it was if there's a crypto surge. So this is contingent on when and if the crypto uh, market goes up again. If the whole market goes up, Coinbase stock will go up. And it could go as high as $300 a share because it's been there before. So, yeah, of course, it could go back to that. Why not? Um, I'm not banking on it, but it could go up to 100 easily. It could go up to 200 So buying in at 35 or lower is a good idea, in my opinion. But I'm looking at it. It's still a pretty high-risk thing because Coinbase, you never know. Who the fuck? It could go bankrupt for some other reason. Like, who knows what could happen? They could get fined. They could become scammers themselves. They, I don't think so, but you always got to be prepared for that to be the case. So I'm putting in a, as much as $5,000 of my own personal money into this one stock at the very most. Two to five. And that's only if it keeps going down, you know, at 35, I'm, it's, I don't know if it goes down for sure. Cause the buying pressure will go up the lower it goes. So anyway, I'm not the only one with this opinion and that's just one way to get a nice little profit in the stock market. That takes a lot of precision. You got to actually be watching the price every fucking day. You got to be following the news but I'm already fully invested in crypto, so I might as well also in, be invested in the stock market side of crypto because I'm already I already am fully relying on crypto going back up. Just because a large exchange turned out to be a scam, that is independent of crypto. I mean, anybody could do that. Crypto is not responsible for people being scammers it just makes it a lot easier for them to get away with it unfortunately that's one of the downsides of having a non-fiat verifiable currency that anybody could just use if criminals can use it they will use it so i get why everybody's pulling out of crypto but it's been like that since it started about 15 years ago not quite 12 years ago whenever it started it's always been that way so sam bankman freed is just a blip on the radar you know there will be more scams probably even bigger than that until they force companies 
to actually, I mean, I don't know, that could happen in a non-crypto company. It was just a Ponzi scheme, and that could happen without crypto. It has, and it probably will continue to. Of course it will. So that's that's not a downside. That's not a game changer for me. I haven't sold a single fucking coin because of Sam Bankman Freed. That fucking asshole has only made me go, okay, that's $8 billion lost. So now, if they never get it back, that's $8 billion worth of coin out of circulation, which means a Bitcoin will become more rare because there's less of them in circulation, which means the price will go up, baby. So I'm playing the long game with crypto like I am with everything else in life. With finding a woman, you bet your fucking sweet ass I'm playing the long game on that. You think I'm just going to let the first... Woman that walks in, I was going to say floozy. You think I'm going to let the first floozy that walks in just settle down and buckle up and take half my assets that I've been working my Jewish dick off to accumulate? Fuck no. She's got to have big tits, a big personality, and not a shitty personality. Because holy fuck, are there some shitty women Women are going through a kerfuffle, and I'm waiting for them to get their own shit together before I even go out seeking. I don't talk to women. Are you fucking crazy? Most of them are fucking rude as fuck to men these days. It's just, it's just part of their code of conduct. Yeah, be rude to men. That's normal. So I'm waiting for them to go through their little, like, uh, bigoted, you know, anti like murder all men club phase of life that they're going through. And I know that the younger they are, there's a cutoff. It can't go that young. Like 20 would be. <laughs> but the younger they are, the more impressionable they are. So I just got to find ones that have been groomed by other men, like their dads, hopefully. Not me. I'm just swooping in to fucking take them as wives. But other men will have to train them to have the correct values, not the ones that keep them isolated and overweight and have horrible uh, stylistic, have these preferences of like aesthetics that make them undesirable, like piercings, tattoos, it's like... I don't want my wife to have that shit. So you're fucking. You're, if you're doing that, you're already you're fucking up. So if you're listening, if you're one of the long, if you're in the long line of women just fucking scraping to get into this fucking house, it's gonna remain a fucking bachelor pad for the foreseeable future, <laughs> because y'all are still completely not attractive to me physically you're still okay like physically you're still fine but like even that i talked about is is losing you're losing me if you get covered in tattoos and piercings and like have a hairstyle that looks like what is this are you in the army if you have one of those if you're ambiguous i'm probably I'm, of course i'm not going to consider you part of my dick dating pool um oh in the way they talk oh my god talk how they talked in the 50s if you want to be on my dick radar if you want to be on my dick dar stop talking with that fucking vocal fry stop trying to sound the same as every fucking other person in the world and actually try to talk how it's like like unique like like it doesn't be unique but talk how they talked in the 50s with that nice warm wholesome Marilyn Monroe voice you could laugh weird that's still a turn off but not a big turn off <laughs> if you laugh like Marilyn Monroe that's a turn on she had a crazy laugh but it was unique so be unique if you want unique dick. If you want to be on a like a talented guy's cock, 
you gotta actually be interesting. You can't just be the same as everybody else. Yeah, I also talk like this. I also talk exactly the same as every other person in the world. Yeah. And if you're also old, like, not a, like, if you're overage, like my age, yeah, I'm not, I'm probably not gonna be, like, sorry. <laughs> People are fucking up. Women are fucking up. I don't know. Sorry to be so harsh about that. I, I could. I'll be. It's hard to be nice to people when you're giving them tough love. But that's all this is. It's just tough love. It's the same shit that Kevin Samuels was going around preaching about. It's like if you want Prince Charming, you have to be a princess. You can't be a fucking slag. Just going around saying yes to every degenerate fucking thing that is offered to you like yeah i'll do cocaine in the bathroom with you like okay you're out all of a sudden you're no longer attractive to me why the fuck would i want to go on a date with somebody that just says yes to that shit oh yeah i'll get a tattoo that for the rest of my life is gonna make me look like a fucking slut or be a slut how about that if you choose to be a slut in your 20s or 30s Definitely by the time you're in your 30s, I'm going to look at you as like a waste of space in the dating pool. Like, I mean, you might be doing something else with your life that's valuable. You might be like a paramedic or for all I fucking know or a nurse or a doctor. Any, but I'm talking about in terms of fuckability. If you want Prince Charming, you got to be a princess, honey. You fucking mother cuckers. Anyway, this has been episode... F- <laughs> this has been episode 58 of the Tim Vikesabom Show. Merry Christmas, y'all, and have a happy new year.